Hello and welcome to IEEE Soft Robotics Podcast. In this podcast, we are going to interview researchers from Pulse Academia and Industry about their work, thoughts, spectrum, and more beyond that. This is Marwa Edwini, and I hope you will find this podcast useful. If you would like to connect with us, simply send us, and we will be happy to hear from you. And here is my interview. Thanks. Hello. Hello and welcome to IEEE Softbox Podcast. Uh, could you please introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Ali Sadeghi and I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Biomechanical Engineering at the University of Twente in Netherlands. Great. So I would like to ask you first, what's the first robot you built and what was the feeling you had at the time? Actually, the first robot that I made, I had just 20 years old. We participated in a robotic competition with some of my roommates at the dormitory and we made a mobile robot uh, to, let's say, solve a maze problem and I was excited and then we were, the robot was working and then later actually I would say the first robot that I made and I received salary was again a mobile robot, was a kind of vacuum cleaner for a robotic vacuum cleaner and again I was excited. I would say still when I'm making a robot, I feel excited. Oh, that's great. So it's before Roomba, this vacuum cleaner? No, actually we were inspired by Roomba. Okay. We were trying to make the Roomba uh, to see what kind of problems Roomba has and mm-hmm. try to make it better. Mm-hmm. It was a kind of, in let's say, industrial project in Iran. Mm-hmm. So when you were a child, have you ever heard about robotics? When I was a child, robots were just in cartoons. Okay. And uh, yeah, I was like humanoids in cartoons, yeah. but they were not really existing. Yeah. But... Or we, we didn't have enough information about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you are working now for soft robotics for, I think, more than 10 years I have been working on that. Yeah. From your experience, how you would define soft robotics from your perspective? And what could be the most important question should be considered? Actually, it's not bad to define soft robotics because it helps mm-hmm. especially young students. So when they want to start, they have a kind of definition from where they have to start. But on the other hand also, it's not bad to do not limit it with a definition. Mm. Because what is nice in soft robotics is it's a, kind of, it's a field that is uh, open to all the disciplines. So it's, uh, it has a lot of surprising results. And uh, I, I consider soft robotics like a young kid mm-hmm. that uh, is talented, is intelligent. So sometimes it's better. I don't know if you see if a kid is talented, people say, oh, he will become an engineer mm-hmm. or he will become a doctor. But I say it's better to do not specify what kind of a job he will have in future and lets this kid explore the world and probably he will become a very talented musician who knows mm. so it's the same for soft robotics i think if we say exactly is this one probably we limit the potentiality of soft robotics in the other aspects but okay for me today uh, just to answer your question soft robotics is somewhere that i can give in, uh, more attention to the structure to the body and to the design. Actually, this is um, my area interest in soft robotics, which is motivating my field of research now in 20. About what are the most important questions 
should be considered in soft robotics research? It depends again to your expertise and mm -hmm. to your field of interest. I don't know if you are expert of control mm -hmm. and your question would be how can I control a soft robot? If you are an expert in manufacturing techniques, you would say, ask how can I fabricate a complicated system in soft material? I don't mm -hmm. know if you are a designer, probably you will ask how would be a perfect tool that helped me to design a robot? There are uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I told you, it's a kind yeah. of br broad field that uh, everybody can come in and ask a question. If mm -hmm. you're an artist, and we say, how can I exploit soft robotics to create a kind of artifact? Yeah. Yeah, great. So, uh, could you please tell us more about your research soft robotics? Because you have a lot of experience in that. So, yeah, we would like to hear. Actually, mm, I am coming from a back, I'm a manufacturing engineer, but, and I'm coming from, so I'm in, during my PhD, uh, I was working in bio-inspired robotics. And so I was trying to understand biological models and trying to translate them to engineering solutions. And so uh, in parallel working in soft robotics and still I'm working. So after 10 years, uh, looking to the nature, is a kind of habit for me. I, I used to do it every day. It's always inspiring for me. But uh, what I am now working is, uh, let's say, it's a kind of, I would say, is growing soft mm -hmm. robots. But it can have two meanings. So let's say we can uh, have robots that can grow. Mm -hmm. That is something that I also did yeah. during my PhD and after. <laughs> But also we can, let's say, consider the word of growing is like, I, I would say, okay, uh, fabricating robots, but like growing in nature. What I mean, because soft robots are not the same as rigid robots, which are the assembly of individual components. I think a kind of ideal soft robots would, be, would have a kind of integrated design. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is my, let's say, approach. I would like to have a kind of additive manufacturing technique mm -hmm. that can build this integrated body. Currently, uh, I have a position for a PhD that actually we have also a PhD yeah. student for that, which is, will work on, uh, we called it assembly integrated additive manufacturing of soft robots, which means we can build a structure which has actuator, and sensor mm -hmm. together with the structure. Great. So if I ask you from your experience, what are the most misconceptions about soft robotics? And something maybe concerning you when you have this experience, something you say, maybe you don't understand this correctly. And most of what, what's misconceptions you think? I think um, probably one point is to do the same thing that we do with rigid robots. It's mm. something that I think is better to avoid it because uh, we know rigid robots are precise they are fast they are powerful and stiff if we want to do the same thing that uh, we were doing before with rigid robots i think uh, so why we move towards soft robots mm. i think we have to think uh, the definition that we gave in uh, let's say not the definition uh, the requirements that we had safety adaptation with the environment and user. These things are the point that we have to consider a, a soft robot should do. Uh, 
Hmm. And yeah, I will avoid to do the same thing that uh, rigid robots hmm. are doing. I think this is a very interesting point because I think in terms of, we have this question in Antonio Picky, and he said that how the controller get the task done without destroying the natural dynamics of robotics. Hmm. And maybe because controller uh, approaches the traditional one doesn't consider the nonlinearities. How you would comment about that? What could be solution if if some uh, trying to use the traditional approach for something completely different? What could be solution for that? I'm not coming from control background, yeah. but I think if looking to the nature, I, I probably we have we have to change many things yeah. uh, to be successful also in the control of soft robots because we have a kind of distributed number of sensors and mm. actuators in natural systems and which is not exactly the same in conventional robots mm. so probably before applying traditional approach of control we need to first make this kind of structures so we need more number of actuators and sensors in the structure and then probably we are more successful in mm, controlling this high a structure with high number of degrees of freedom. One more point is actually which many times I see is we have to consider that we are inspired by animals in let's say mainly in soft mm -hmm. robotics field and uh, we have to consider that these animals from which environment are coming from. Mm. You know, for example, uh, yeah, octopus is a very inspiring animal. Yeah. There is no bone or it's extremely soft, but it's living in, in water. If we take it out of water, probably doesn't, probably, you know, for sure, it doesn't have the same functionality that it has in water. Or earthworm is fantastic, but it's supported by soil. So if we make earthworm and then we remove the soil from its working environment, then it's very difficult to have the same functionality, yeah. you know. So I think it's also important when we are designing soft robots and we are inspired by some animal. We see if we have we are we have the same environment and we should consider also the role of environment in the in the let's say functions of animal and or robot. Yeah, that's also interesting. That's bringing an body and environment to function. So yeah. that's. Yeah. Environment is not something separate from yeah. the ro robot, which is not also separate from uh, animal. I don't know if you remove the air uh, from a uh, surrounding of a bird, can mm. it fly or not? No. no. <laughs> so if I ask you what are the biggest technological roadblocks for having a fully soft robotic? So because if you think that we want to create something fully soft, what do you think the main challenges or the blocks, roadblocks can we have? Actually, I, first I would say I'm, I'm not f the fan of a fully soft robot, mm -hmm. but if you want to have it, I would say actuation, fabrication, mm -hmm. and then uh, soft electronics are building blocks that we need to have them. And then also, uh, in long term, a good design tool mm -hmm. to, to, to permit us to predict what we are going to fabricate. Mm -hmm. So, well, do you think that having full soft robotics is not important? For, why you are not a big fan? Why you see it? I, I see soft robotics as a kind of a subsystem, uh, let's say, subfamily of robotics. Okay. I don't want to 
avoid robot conventional robotics it's conventional robotics also a kind of big achievement mm-hmm. of roboticist and it's working well so why should we avoid it when it's working well we have to to combine these two toward our uh, goals you know mm-hmm. if you need to have a safe interaction uh, okay soft robotics is nice but if you need safe interaction at the same time you need precision probably mm-hmm. is better to combine these two and then yeah we need a let's say good design capability mm-hmm. to to combine these two but yeah I, we can have entirely soft robots some part for some particular application but as an engineer i will go for something which is less expensive mm. and i would never eliminate one solution which is already working i think is a this is a kind of expensive decision mm. to eliminate something which is working yeah so if i ask you what is intelligence in soft robotics from your perspective how you see even in robotics because you have both experience how you would see intelligence i think okay intelligent <clears throat> we can have a kind of system which is intelligent but again i'm fan of uh, i would say designer intelligent mm. which probably is not easy and uh, to see in in a product uh, if it's designed by a kind of intelligent designer i would for example as an example i, would, I can compare plant with a simple an animal i don't know with octopus with mm. elephant with many animals which they have brain you know so when elephant does a kind of a smart behavior everybody goes and start to look the brain of elephant and say oh is a smart animal i don't know they say elephant is a smart monkey is a smart sign they go they measure the size of brain and they relate this intelligent behavior and this smartness to the size of brain but how we can uh, evaluate the intelligence of plant it doesn't have any brain you know mm. and i would say probably here is a designer intelligent mm. that is yeah it's working very well is uh, i don't need that has the capability of obstacle avoidance it has it's exploring soil it's above soil it has if i can count many intelligent behavior in plant without having any center for decision or mm-hmm. having to say okay this intelligence coming from here i would say it's a kind of intelligent of designer mm-hmm. and, yeah and i am fan of because i'm i'm let's say a designer and a kind of pure mechanical engineer and i am fan of intelligent in design mm-hmm. this is my definition for inter- i know oh. there is for example ai mm-hmm. can help the system to be intelligent uh, and i agree mm-hmm. but that is not my field of expertise i would like to make the systems intelligent by design mm-hmm. so if i ask you about the current of robotics to which level do you think they are intelligent the current developments of robotics there are many actually in if by this definition that sometimes we call it also embodied intelligence yeah. there are many examples that are demonstrating that structure can be intelligent uh, one of the exa- nice examples of soft robotics that i love it i love it i like it a yeah. lot is a jamming gripper universal gripper mm. that is exactly a good example of intelligent designer so when you see this in ball of coffee you can 
say it's smart because it's just a ball of coffee but but when it starts to grasp a wide range of objects with the different geometry you see wow it's amazing and it's uh, a very good example uh, of uh, adaptability of soft robotics uh, so a, a lot of claim that we have about, about soft robotics you can see in this gripper which is a very nice example of a good design and having intelligent in design process and structure mm, yeah that's also important so if i ask you what the current challenges that you want to solve in, in your focused research now as i told you before we are trying to fabricate soft structure highly stretchable mm -hmm. polymers together uh, with different components uh, so this is the challenge that now i'm mm -hmm. thinking how to fabricate uh, in 3d printing mm -hmm. so uh, with additive manufacturing technique how to fabricate something which is highly elastic at the same time can work as a actuator and sensor this is my challenge and another challenge that i'm also interested to uh, work on is having efficient actuators which is one of the challenges of soft robotics mm -hmm. if we don't have efficient actuators i think it's very difficult to have uh, ideal soft robots yeah so let me ask you are more interested about i think that's something about design or control perspective but since you said you are not really from control community so if i ask you about the design what could be an inspiration for new design since you highlighted before that design is very important for soft robotics. And I think I have to highlight this kind of vision about the Vinci one you said and the other one. So could you please tell us more about that? I think it's interesting, yeah. Yeah, I am a fan of Leonardo da Vinci. He's a mm, brilliant designer, mm -hmm. uh, which is, is a smart designer. He has a, a lot of fantastic designs. And uh, yeah, I, I think for me, design is, uh, as I told you before, is, yeah, you can, for example, a simple design could be, and imagine we are designing a chair. We can have, okay, classically, okay, we put plate and we put four legs and this is done. But as a, uh, let's say, designer, I started to think, can I remove legs? Can I replace legs with something else? So I start to, challenge myself as a designer to see how can I improve this system to make it better and uh, yeah this uh, probably again we can translate it to embodied intelligence mm -hmm. how can I uh, let's say reduce the task from the controller mm -hmm. and give those duty to the structure mm -hmm. I think uh, but it needs a kind of uh, you you have to be enough crazy to challenge yourself yeah. to do these things mm -hmm. and sometimes it works yeah for example i, I when i was uh, working climbing robots yeah i made a robot which was climbing pole and there was no controller it was climbing uh, the rope let's say a, a, a pole a tube it was just three wheels and actually it was uh, it didn't have any problem for falling. It, it was using its weight for mm. self-stabilizing. It was a purely mechanical system. That's why so it was very difficult to call it robot because yeah. there was no controller, there was no electronic, there was just a DC motor. It was going up and down, yeah. but extremely safe. 
it was pulling me up to the pole. Mm -hmm. So, and that moment I was calling it stupid system. Later I learned that I can call it embodied intelligent design. That's a very interesting point because I think about when you have like a brain but you don't have a body and that's something like if you imagine I think it's not smart example like a cat is very smart but you don't have functionality to open a can or something it's about body but if I would look into Boston dynamics and how the, the robot is done it's more like you can't read the language it's like not robotic not flat it's really like something alive you, what do you think this something is like concerning to you afraid that's these advances happening and you can see something similar to our mechanism as a human or animals. Or... I think also Boston Dynamics also is dedicating a lot of research. I don't know a lot, but they are dedicating some research to the design of body, no? Mm. They're using additive manufacturing and they have a kind of integrated fabrication. So I remember they had some valve, new valve design, so they are trying to mimic a morphology of let's say bone mm. uh, I think uh, they are not just working in control aspects they're also dedicating some research in the design and the body of the system which we see it's becoming more uh, smarter than mm. before yeah so do you think the robotics community should focus on uh, using smart material as you say actuation and sensing because some using business material, past material, and using uh, techniques to debolt this mechanism. Which direction do you think we have to focus on from your perspective? I cannot say to the others where they yeah. have to focus because everybody has its yeah. or his or her own interest and I think it's enough to work and uh, push the border of knowledge, then if we work uh, seriously for sure and we are um, productive, everybody f- try to be productive in their line of research, then I think, uh, yeah, we will create something useful for humanity mm-hmm. in general. And in my line of research, I am, yeah, I'm interested in mm-hmm. fabricating uh, fabrication technique, which is extremely integrated with material properties mm-hmm. and a structure. I cannot make clear line between a smart material structure and fabrication technique. Mm-hmm. I think they are extremely bonded together. Yeah. So soft robotics is interdisciplinary the field. Do you think that we have a challenge in understanding different language since we have materialists working that and some guys work electrical and mechanical? Do you think this is challenging here? and speak a different language in the field? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, as yeah, you were telling is that we have a lot of diversity, diversity in soft yeah. robotics, which is nice. And I think because soft, uh, um, again, is my opinion, but if soft robotics is giving a, a lot of attention to the structure and material, mm. that makes it attractive for many people because let's say everywhere that we have material and structure that I would say everywhere we have it. So uh, that zone can become a kind of interesting zone for soft robotics community. I don't know, the chair that we are sitting is a structure. As a soft roboticist, I start to think, can I make it smarter by the technologies that today we have? So 
this is let's say i would i'm saying that soft robotics is creating a kind of opportunity to expand our community and having a lot of disciplines here but in the other hand having other disciplines as you were telling creates a problem that sometimes we cannot communicate mm. and i had also this experience in the past years i worked with many different disciplines with biologists with chemists with material scientists electronic engineers mm. My, uh, let's say, conclusion after these years and the lesson that I learned was first we have to uh, respect each other's skills. We have to believe that everybody is uh, educated and they know what they are doing. And then uh, we have to work on our skills of communication. Mm. My, my method was because many times when we are talking to each other i say imagine we have this and this and i had it also with some of my students when we were they were saying okay they were telling me imagine and i was telling okay i'm imagining but who guarantees what i am imagining is the same image that you have in your mind oh yeah okay then i asked i was asking them design it for me draw it for me because then I can see if the image in my mind is the same as the image that you have in your mind. So I think it's very, uh, I found graphical language, let's say graphics is very helpful for communicating between different disciplines. Because when you say to a chemist or to a, I don't know, biologist, imagine, yeah, they imagine, but there is no guarantee that they are thinking the same as you. Mm. But if you design what you are imagining, at least, you can uh, compare the two images and see if they are the same or not. Oh, that's very interesting. I think this is, I think, the key point that how we communicate, and that's I think a very important. Point. I think we have to work on the word of imagination that we <laughs> use it a lot, but then we, we don't know that. Yeah, they are imagining, but it's not exactly, <laughs> it's not at all the same as your imagination. Yeah. So if I ask you, since you were, you have a lot of experience, since you were your PhD student of robotics, and now you are a professor in, in, in the field, how do you see the progress of soft robotics in this decade? Is it linear or exponential? How do you see? I, I say it's unbelievable. I, I when I started, I was not thinking one day we have. When I start, for example, we had the best journals of robotics. The impact factor was three point four. Mm. The first impact factor of soft robotics journal was I don't remember was. 5.6 something like this so we had a high impact factor because there was a lot of attention to this field and I see every day is growing more and more and people are interested in this field uh, I'm believing soft robotics mm, every day more mm. I don't I cannot predict where it will go in future easily but uh, I see a lot of potential in soft robotics that uh, make me happy to work in this field. Mm -hmm. So if I ask you, do you think there's a hype in the field? Some, maybe, because every new technology, maybe there's a hype around it, like artificial as well, there's a lot of hype, and, and some people don't understand what this is true or not. So do you think there's hype or not? Mm. I, I hope no. <laughs> this is the first answer. You have a kind of, uh, ascending growth that I hope it never goes to the descending uh, and uh, I see 
as I told you before, now I see a lot of potential in soft robotics. Probably if you want to aim to make exactly entirely soft robot, then we have a kind of descending. But if you start to be realistic and see, okay, I, uh, I want to exploit soft robotics as a toolbox of robotics, then I think it has a potential to stay a hot topic mm. for a long time. Yeah. So if I ask you what could be the most challenging problems that could face soft robotics in the long run? I think uh, probably one is uh, because we are making using soft materials currently, many of us, rubbers, textile, but uh, the question of durability of these materials, mm. how long they can uh, work, how long they can survive. And then this is something that we have to work on. Because, for example, many of these, uh, in this, for example, inflatable actuators, if they have a problem of puncture, how we will fix it? There are some research to for self-healing materials, but this is something that we have to uh, take it more serious to see mm. uh, if the robot that we are giving to our customers have the same life of uh, rigid robots. If not, we have to work in their uh, let's say mind to see okay there we are not giving you the same robot with this of rigid robots with the same life mm -hmm. probably we have to say we are giving you a robot which costs less mm -hmm. and survives less mm -hmm. and also ethical issue i think is something that we have to work on mm -hmm. um, to let's say um, we have to think in I think over trust is one of the problems to the mm. robotics yeah. that uh, if people uh, trust to a soft robot uh, the same as a rigid robot probably sometimes can create problem mm. and also many people say flexibility is good for having safety mm -hmm. but sometimes also could be dangerous you know if because soft robots are mm, let's say flexible adaptable mm -hmm. and that's why we consider them safe but in the other hand they are not easily controllable uh, so if yeah. they are doing mm, so they are not working well they are not easily controllable and they do some malfunction then probably they can be also dangerous mm, that's also important. a pillow is a, f a famous uh, scene in movies is mm. a pillow is safe but many times they use it for killing someone else <laughs> Is, a, is highly adaptable so it can be that would be also kind of this yeah. highly adaptable robot if it sticks to your nose yeah. probably then it can be it can kill you, you know so yeah so then it's a dangerous device yeah so do you think who is responsible for that is because you highlighted many points about if research you have to make sure that for example actuator or tensor is reproducible and how much time will work durability and this kind of issue to, what do you think would be solution that we can make that's kind of we have this rules to be and make sure what we do is really efficient what could be solution from your perspective yeah we can be in it's not a question of what i was saying it's not a question of necessarily efficiency mm. but it's it's enough to be honest with ourselves and then our customers mm. we have to evaluate our system properly and to be sure if we say it survives it works for one year it should work if it works for one week we have to inform our customer that this is a product for one week 
not more and i think we have a lot of engineering education to characterize our prototypes and or products and see if they are working well or not i think it's just a engineering question to characterize your system properly and then make it let's say catalog and describe what kind of uh, problems and features your product has mm -hmm. yeah so here's a futuristic question if because you have a lot of imagination and something interesting how you would imagine soft robotics would be in the future and sometimes if you imagine something crazy about soft robotics what could be the future oh, I still, i'm not that much young like kids i think kids are the best to answer this question but uh, i cannot imagine that much far and that much creative but i would like i would say soft i can imagine soft robots can yeah come and help you. let's i wish mm. this image that sufferers are somewhere in the house of people and helping people assisting people but again together with rigid robots or in combination mm. with rigid robots yeah so about uh, ethics and regulation because you're working in material science and etc do you think that in research we really have like follow ethics and regulation since we don't have a formula this kind of material using medical application and we would see this kind of ethics and regulation for soft robotics i think it's the same as all the products that we have you cannot give a product a deliver a product to the society without caring about ethics mm -hmm. and this is yeah sometimes we do we consider ethical issues automatically during the design process but uh, even now in University of Twente, we are thinking how to educate ethical issues to the students mm -hmm. and to bring their attention basically that these issues exist and you have to consider them during the design of any product that you are mm -hmm. designing and soft robotics is not an exception so we have to do it also for soft robots mm -hmm. and considering that we don't have stiffness we don't have so which sometimes uh, do not having a stiffness can create problem mm -hmm. and yeah we have to uh, but for each application depends also to the mm -hmm. application we have yeah. to make a list of ethical issues yeah so the question coming because you have the podcast soft robotics how we can make sure soft robotics will be beneficial to humanity as a whole i think uh, is uh, if it's not useful for humanity, mm. I think I will lose my motivation to work in soft robotics. Mm. And uh, in long term, how to make it beneficial for humanities is better also because now we are working, which was the nature of a new thing. We were ma mainly trying to make a lot of demonstrators mm -hmm. of soft robotics that are just uh, showing the capability of our actuators and sensors but for what application we are going to use them there was no particular application but now we see people are using soft robotics in surgical robotics in wearable robotics so i think it's the time that we also start from application point mm. of view and try to make a bridge between these two sides if we try to um, consider the application in this moment i think then we can somehow guarantee that what we are going to make would be beneficial for humanity and human life. Mm -hmm. 
So since you're working in, in, in both industrial sector and academia, how you would see soft robotics in, in industry? Do you think there is enough room for it? Are you satisfied with the current products we have for soft robotics? Yeah, probably soft robotic grippers are one of the promising products yeah. that can go to the industry uh, earlier yeah. than everything because yeah, you demonstrate yeah, high, uh, let's say, uh, adaptability mm -hmm. and also they are low cost in fabrication. Uh, I think again, if we don't stick to have extremely entirely soft robot and try to always to make it as a family of uh, robots, mm -hmm robotic family let's say a member yeah. of robotic family i think mm -hmm. we can find some room for uh, soft robotics also in industry mm -hmm. so imagine that your student come to you and want to use a project as a startup what do you think the key element to have a successful um, startup because you have the both eye as industry and academia what could be the important element of soft robotics in it's a startup at a, a technology you develop as a product and, a, and you're launching a startup. Uh, These companies, uh, I think the, mm, the big difference of soft robots yeah. with the uh, conventional robots would be the material that we are using mm -hmm. and the fabrication techniques that we are using. I would give a name to these robots like low-cost robots. Mm. I think with soft robots, we can claim we can create low-cost products, which is... Uh, also a kind of con like consumable robots. So the robots which are cheap enough that you can consume them and then use them and just throw them away. Uh, this is something that uh, probably can make soft robotics uh, company mm -hmm. successful in competition with conventional robots. There are many other factors. If you have a very smart design that no rigid robot can do, and can mm -hmm. do it, okay. Uh, but also the factor of being low cost, I think, would be a, a key point that can make company successful. Yeah. So when you speak about soft robotics to people or like outside the field, lay people or family or something, how are they responsible about soft robotics? Are they interested or they don't understand? And how, what is the response you get? Mm, you know, people, normal people, which are not in this field, usually they have a kind of, for them, robotics is like a magic. Mm. or magician so they, we look like a magician for them and robotics is like a, a ma magical things for them uh, and soft robotics is not an exception so it's a part of this story mm -hmm. uh, yeah they are, when you can surprise them you can they are interested to listen to this uh, when you say oh I, we made robot out of textile is interesting for them yeah mm -hmm. So what is the current cooperation you have with other academic uh, fields, just uh, the project, what cooperation you have? Actually now I just started six months ago in yeah. Netherlands and I'm building my community inside this country, which is, uh, there are a lot of uh, opportunities in Netherlands. And so I am a member of Dutch soft robotics uh, program. So we have, we are several tenure trackers in this a program and they are building a kind of they are collaborating mm -hmm. with each other in different aspects from fabrication sensing actuation application to 
to grow more and more soft robotics field in Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm trying to, in, for the moment, I'm focusing more in Dutch universities. I also have connection with my uh, former colleagues in Italy mm. and UK. Yeah. yeah. So what kind of application you could expect uh, from this Dutch uh, soft robotics consortium? Actually, we, we have, uh, for example, um, agriculture is mm-hmm. one of the areas that we are focusing. And then also uh, human care and health are the uh, applications that we have in mind for mm-hmm. wearable robotics. Is, uh, surgical robotics are promising applications that we have in mind. And we hope that come, mm-hmm. we come up with some uh, products in this field, in mm-hmm. these areas. Great. So if I ask you about the integration about AI and soft robotics, since soft robotics, as you highlighted, is really uh, non-linear and you have to understand most of physics. And AI, most about black box, which you don't understand much of the physics happening. How you would see this integration? Do you think there's some promising or hard to be integrated in a way we have to understand soft robotics? It's difficult for me to speak about AI, uh, but uh, I like the word HI, mm-hmm. which is human intelligence, mm-hmm. that I think we have it in, so in soft robots, uh, usually they, they have a smart structures, so which are the result of HI, the designers that created this system, and I think they can assist AI to have in at the end a system which is more smarter than just using AI. Mm. For example, we have a lot of humanoid robots uh, which are perfect from the brain point of view probably. Mm. They have a lot of capability of computation but when they walk, they walk very funny. Mm. And I think probably soft robotics can help from this side to uh, make the body more natural and more smarter and mm-hmm. then probably the result the, the humanoid of future would yeah. vo- walk more natural mm-hmm. by a combination of having smart brain and a smart body yeah and this is very interesting because it's found in nature some creatures that like yes, insects, they don't have a brain and they exhibit uh, intelligent behavior. Yeah. And that's really, I think, very inspiring, yeah? I, I call them happy animals. <laughs> Why? Because they don't have brain. <laughs> so their life is happier for them. I, actually, <laughs> I was working in, in starfish and sea urchin during yeah. my PhD. They don't have brain. Yeah. And they are, yeah, it's a kind of also plant. They don't have brain, mm. but they are considered animal. Let's yeah. say starfish, uh, sea urchin, they are animals. And yeah, but they are still working. Then everything is the body, mm. but they have nervous system, which we don't have it in the plant. Mm. Uh, I forgot your question, but anyway, <laughs> I, can, I consider this, this yeah. uh, the, the, in the category of animals, we have Serious animals and happy animals, which are <laughs> okay. those without brain. That's a nice uh, categories. <laughs> okay. So do you think we can have had roads without the brain? <laughs> we already have them. Okay. I think morphological computation, too, mm-hmm. but that's what you are like. So how we can engage the general public in soft robotics? Do you think because most of funding coming from taxes of people, 
So do, do you think how we can integrate them in this kind of new paradigm of soft robotics? I, I think we, we have to go to public events, we, I don't know, mm. and education also, invite them to our, let's say, uh, labs and mm-hmm. see if they come and see what we are making yeah. and can uh, create a kind of belief for mm-hmm. them that we are doing useful things and we can show them that okay a piece of textile can become a robot mm-hmm. and for them also is interesting yeah great so if i ask you about that technology develop as you said sometimes agriculture or other technology product do you think we consider this could be in the long term could lead to social inequality because this kind of i think Many people would lose jobs, and this is something worrying to many, especially working outside the sector or digital sector. So, how how you would see this? We can make sure while we're developing, we don't lose uh, people jobs. And uh... no, it's not easy to uh, I, actually. It's a very difficult question, and probably is a very hard question that many people ask about robotics yeah. in general. <clears throat> it's hard to answer really. But the point is, I think is like for example, imagine. I don't know if you go back 20 years ago and speaking about cell phone, it had some uh, enemies, mm. this technology. And probably people were thinking, okay, we will lose uh, some jobs by this technology or even if, uh, some applications that we have. For example, uh, I don't want to name the applications, but uh, now we have a lot of jobs mm-hmm. which are created by the applications which are working our, on on our cell phones. You know, many people are working like a taxi driver. Mm-hmm. So instead of losing job, actually they are uh, they have another job thanks to this technology that we were not able to predict this kind of jobs before. You know, so I think uh, it's not easy to predict. Who knows, probably even mm. robotics in future can create new jobs mm. uh, instead of uh, stealing jobs from the society. Probably it steals some jobs, but who knows, probably it creates more jobs also. Mm-hmm. So, do you think ego is important for the researcher? Oh, it's a nice question. <laughs> I think if you look to the evaluations that today we do for the research researchers it's important to be selfish and to really yeah sometimes mm-hmm. but i don't like it i prefer to change the way that we are evaluation mm-hmm. evaluating the researchers and i would give more you know it, we have to change our me- measures we have to ch- change our measuring technique if we give more evaluation to teams than to the researchers. If we give more, let's say, value to talents and groups, how many talents exist in a group, then probably instead of being selfish, it's better to be a good uh, player in a team. Mm. But because now instead of uh, evaluating teams, we are evaluating individuals, then yeah, ego is helpful. But I prefer to give uh, value to the team. Hmm. Because robotics is something that comes out of teams. It's impossible to make a robot alone today. You, and in my 
experience in the past years, I always had uh, several nice colleagues which were working parallel to me and with me to make robots and with the help of them was almost impossible to mm. come up with good results. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting perspective. So let me ask you, do you have any robots at your home? Yeah, I have. Actually, okay. we have some uh, edu- educational robots, mobile robots mm-hmm. that my son plays with oh. them. Mm-hmm. We have also a 3D printer, which he prints toys with it. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, we have, uh, we have some. How old? Uh... He's 13 years old. Okay, that's yeah. good age to, yeah, yeah. to set a task. Yeah. Actually, r- robotic was a kind of a stimulator for him to become familiar with programming mm-hmm. and yeah, it's, now he's in love with programming. Oh, that's great. So if I ask you what kind of robotics you wish to be in your home, something imagine I wish that something can do this. And, or your family have wishing you to do something. <laughs> Many the... times I, I'm dreaming a robot that can cook. Oh. Yeah, but uh, or can wash the dishes. Mm. We have washing machine, but I think it's not an efficient system. I, many times I just challenge myself, can we make a robot that can do these things better than a washing machine with mm. less wasting of water or something yeah. like that? Yeah, so you're planning to do something like that? A chef robot would be <laughs> a great one. Okay. So, um, as your PhD supervisor, what are the main qualities you're looking for of a student? Oh. There are many factors mm-hmm. that defines a good student. Uh, student, uh, sh- I, but can the student that can think out of the box yep. is a good student. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, being uh, let's say collaborative with the others is another as- aspect of a good student. Mm-hmm. And being able to focus is another aspect because sometimes hyperactivity is nice. Mm-hmm. But sometimes hyperactivity also is a kind of poison that mm. uh, can uh, disturb the concentration. Mm-hmm. So a good student is a combination of many things. Yeah. But concentration also is a very important part of uh, doing PhD. Mm-hmm. So if I ask you, we come to, to the end. So if I ask you, what is the source of inspiration? Because I think you have a lot in inspiration. Because many students listening and audience are, what inspires you and where does Russian come from? Actually, I had um, when I was wor- working as a researcher in the University of Tehran, uh, I was working in climbing robots and let's say service robots, and I was also collaborating with the, uh, with the, another lab which was working in microtechnologies, and that was my motivation to become, let's say, be, uh, to be interested in micro robotics. Then one day I went to my supervisor and said, oh, I have this nice idea about micro-robots. And he told me something which was interesting. He told me, it's not easy to come with new ideas without having a long time of, um, let's say, study in this field. Mm. Uh, so I was saying, at least one and year and a half, two years, you have to read and read and read. And then uh, you can come with new ideas. And now I, and I think it's exa- true, it's very mm. true. Because yeah, you, sometimes you have a new idea which is new for you because mm-hmm. you, you are not aware of what, is, what other people have done in 
uh, in that field. You mm. know? So being aware of a state of the art needs time not just reading also needs time for digesting mm-hmm. i think when you, you after one year and a half two years your brain start to digest everything and then make a kind of a uh, list in uh, of different things mm-hmm. and then uh, sometimes when you're sleeping your brain start to combine things even combine the state of the art that he or she knows mm-hmm. and come up with new ideas so this was a i think this is very important to, in, uh, to in, I will transmit this message to new students that read as much as you can mm-hmm. because that expands your database of knowledge and then your, after a while your brain start to um, elaborate this information and come with new ideas. Yeah, that's a good advice. And I would like to skip because you have this career path because new student may be struggling to figure out which path you have to take. You have two in directions, the industry and academia. Which one do you think was, like, we, we can say advantage or disadvantage for some new student still figuring out? Because academia is not fitting to everyone or industry as well. So how we would see this comparison? Because I think many students uh, have this question as a mind. Yeah, uh, okay, industry is... I worked for a few years in industry, then I moved to university. And I think academia is interesting because if you want to be creative, probably it's easier to be creative in academia. Mm -hmm. And academia also has its challenging life because to to follow your academic career, you have to study and then you have to become PhD and then postdoc and then sometimes senior postdoc and then and then so, and you have to write project proposals, you have to publish mm. these uh, all are kind of challenge that is not just creativity you have to do many other things that in factory for example morning you go to your work and evening you scan your card and you go home and you have probably a kind of uh, I would say the different life mm. and, and it's up to you you are in love with this style of life which is always challenging but in the other hand also is interesting because uh, you come up with new ideas it's not just new ideas also you, fa- you every day you are uh, seeing new people mm-hmm. and I would say in academy you feel old uh, not very soon because every year you are seeing new people and so you are when you are talking with young generation I think they help you to feel young mm. this is a positive aspect uh, aspect of academy but also in the history, we know that you have a better income sometimes. Yeah. There are many. Mm, yeah. It's it's very personal. Yeah. So if I ask you uh, about what's the best advice was given to you and was like a life changing, whether personally or professionally? Oh, it's very difficult to answer. I, I cannot say best advice, but I had some uh, inspiring people in my life that they could change my life they were a kind of a model Mm -hmm. for me that i was uh, happy to copy them uh, in my life and be like them uh, as a person Mm -hmm. and uh, which also were academic people Mm -hmm. that those people made me in love with academy and yeah and one one phrase that uh, 
actually comes from my let's say country mm-hmm. my culture we say uh, the tax is not tax actually but let's let's call it tax the tax of knowledge is te- is sharing it mm. and i had a friend that was always he was older than us he was coming to us guys i have something new to teach you he was doing it always with a lot of positive energy and we were really learning but the point was when he was living it was not just learning new thing we were all happy of meeting this guy because he was doing it with a lot of happiness mm. and he was very happy of this sharing of knowledge and then when he was leaving us there was a lot of positive energy inside all of my roommates because of meeting with this guy uh, that comes from probably this um, tax of knowledge is sharing so yeah. you when you learn new things you have to share it and i because then when you share it you gain a lot of positive energy mm-hmm. that's a beautiful message So at the end of the podcast, I would like to ask you if you have final words you would like uh, to share to our audience, our community. Final words. Can I drink a little water? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it... yes. Okay. I think soft robotics community. Nice thing in soft robotic community is. Uh, let's say the diversity mm-hmm. that we have in this community so we we were not we never closed the door of the community to no no, no new entry and this is a behavior that is uh, very nice and we i think we still we have to celebrate any new entry in our field where, from any field that they come that uh, if they come and this this could be or could create also a kind of hope for our field to uh, let's say be more productive mm-hmm. if an artist is interested in our field is welcome so that means that our field is going to art community and an arch- architect that means that we are also mm. expanding our field in the architects community so uh, i think this is a nice attitude that we had and still we have to keep going like this Okay, that's great. Actually, thank you so much for your time. And on behalf of IEEE ERAS Soft Robotics uh, TC, I would like to thank you for your time. Thank you so much. I also thank you. Thank you.